Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, and as always, I'm joined by my co- by my co-host Ed Carball. And uh, we've always promised the biggest interviews in the world of combat sports. Well, we're finally delivering one with the biggest one we've ever had. We welcome Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Wonderboy, thanks for joining us, my man. Oh, are you kidding, man? I appreciate you guys having me on, man. This is this is awesome. Hey, so uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you made some time for us. Um, one of the things I wanted to pick your brain about. I'm sure you watched the fights last weekend. A, a, a lot of people in your division were fought. So, I mean, did did any new interest pop up in your mind as far as like what you saw? I mean, what was your take on all the one 170 pounders on that card? You know what? I, I'm I'm glad. I mean, this 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 weekend was huge for our division for the for the 170 division, just because it's been held up for the past year. I mean, with the Colby Covington and the, the Usman debacle, who was going to get the title shot. Um, so it was, you had a lot of 170s kind of holding up, holding off on fights just to see who's going to get that next shot, you know? Um, so it was very important for me. And, I, and uh, I'm looking at every one of them. And all those guys are, are high level opponents. And anybody in the 170 division has the potential to put you away, especially the guys that fought this past weekend. Of course, you had Ben Askren, you know, moving over from 1FC over to the UFC, who put on a, uh, an awesome show. Him and Robbie Lawler, obviously. Um, great fights there. There was a controversial stoppage um, that happened. Um, I feel bad for Dean, to be honest with you, because yeah. you know, it was kind of hard to see. Did y'all, y'all saw that, right? Yeah. It was kind of difficult because, you know, Robbie Lawler was in that chokehold. I'm pretty sure it was around his jaw area, but the way he dropped his hand, it looked like he was out. And then when his hand got shook, when you go, I had to go back and watch it. He did give a thumbs up, and then yeah. Dean ended up ended up uh, stopping the fight. But Dana White said they're going to run it back, so we'll see. Yeah, there was a lot of bad timing on that. When when Dean was moving his eyes, you know, initially looked at the hand and it kind of looked limp, and then when uh, when Lawler gave him the thumbs up, uh, Dean had already looked up at at Askren to to basically wave the fight off. So I think it was just a, a kind of a lack of communication in a real tough situation. When um, obviously Herb Dean you know, doesn't, it's one of those things where if he lets that go, you don't know how long he's been out. And, and exactly. obviously, and you know, uh, he's there I mean, for your safety, man. He's there for your safety and you can't fault him for that because the way his hand hit the mat, it looked like he was out. And of course, you know, if I was out, I would want him to stop it, you know, for me. So, and it was a, that was a hell of a fight from start to, to when it ended. I mean, Ben Askren getting dumped on his head almost and, and then almost getting knocked out yeah. coming back and having that headlock position squeezing the cra- and i hear it's so funny because ben astro's got this dad bod and he doesn't look <laughs> yeah. strong at all but from what i hear he's got some crazy strength man got just this just country strong from wrestling his whole life so but it, any one of those guys i've been shooting for the robbie i mean the robbie lawler fight for a while now and it's just haven't mm. just hadn't happened you know i've been out for the past seven months uh from the till fight i ended up injuring my mcl and then i was trying to shoot for the robbie fight and yeah, of course he was coming off of a knee injury and um it just it just the they just didn't line up so hopefully we'll get that fight here pretty soon for the fans you know yeah that that actually uh, leads me to my next question uh after that fight you had done the interview with um uh MMA junkie uh where you said you wanted to uh change the style that you fight not not well, not change your style but like uh, not leave it to the judges anymore you know what i mean i i guess be more aggressive or not not so much as a counter striker um, 
is that something you've been working on for your upcoming fight? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, um, I've been playing the game a lot because I've been facing a lot of wrestlers. I mean, pretty much my whole UFC career has been a lot of wrestlers, mm. you know, fighting, uh, uh, you know, um, Jake Ellenberger, Johnny Hendricks, Tyron twice. Um, it kind of lured me into this, this strictly counter punching uh, game plan that I had with these guys because they're aggressive. And that counterpunching plays right into that game. So, but then you get the guys, and Tyron really played it smart the second time, the second go round. Instead of coming forward, he just backed up to the cage, and it kind of threw me off a little bit. So I've been working a lot on uh, not over aggressiveness, but allowing my part, my opponent, to feel that I'm there. Feel because a lot of times when you're moving around, you're counterpunching, you're backing up, waiting on your opponent to come forward. Your opponent kind of feels relaxed because they know you're not going to do anything until you until you until they throw the strikes, you know. So uh, we've been playing with that a lot, man. Brought some really good strikers in for this camp. Um, so obviously wrestlers, because everybody that I face is going is looking to take me down eventually. Um, from the experience I've had in the past, you know, uh, once I start lighting them up on their feet, they're wanting to shoot. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I, and if even if Anthony Pettis does want to keep it standing. Awesome, but I'm prepared wherever the fight goes. Yeah, one of the things that um, stand out to me, obviously, with this matchup you have coming up with you and Pettis, obviously, you guys both have a, a, a karate base. So, I mean, it's it's that's what makes the fight really exciting because it's it's like if you guys do stand up, it's going to be a uh, you know a striker's delight. But uh, then, obviously, when you when you're playing into the chess match of fighting, somebody's going to look to to change the game, you know. So. Um, I just think that's pretty a pretty cool matchup. I mean, is, is that something that you've taken into consideration for this camp? Oh, definitely. This this fight really excites me, man. I mean, kind of like when I fought Masvidal, because like I said before, a lot the, most of my fights have been against wrestlers, you know? So I haven't had that real, you know, you had Masvidal, you had Darren Till, but I ended up tearing my MCL like in the first round. So mm. my movement kind of went out the window for, for that one. But it excites me because, you know, Anthony Pettis has a Taekwondo background. I have a karate background, and I believe that he is more prepared for my style than anybody else in the one uh, anybody else that I face or in the one seventy division at this at this point because we have such a similar style, you know. Even though he's coming up from one fifty five, you got a lot of guys coming up from that weight class mm. doing work in the one seventy division. Obviously, uh, um, uh, Donald Cerrone. You had Michael Chiesa come up and submit Carlos Condit. Uh, Masvidal, who used to fight at 155, who's doing very well in the 170 division too. He's getting ready to fight Darren Till, I believe. So, you know, it's it's it puts a smile on my face and excites me a lot just knowing the fact that this guy is going to want to. He's trying to beat me at my game, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole. That's why I love this fight. I love the fight game because it's it's you know it's a chess match for guys like that. You know, I'm trying to figure you out. I can gain. I can look at you. I can watch your fights, and I can prepare from what I see. But if you're a smart opponent that I know Anthony Pettis is, he's going to make some changes. So it's up to me to adapt to that mid-fight while I'm out there. And that's what's, that's what's fun to me. You know, the, the 170-pound class, basically you talk about Robbie Lawler, and that was a fight that a lot of us fans kind of saw as a, a, a really great matchup stylistically um, because he comes forward and – you know, ideally you want somebody coming forward at you. Um, when, when they offered Pettis, that had to be kind of a nice little surprise because I can't imagine he was really on your radar. No, not at all. Like, you know, 
to be honest with you, I'm a fan of Anthony Pettis. You know, watching him and us, him being in the 155 weight class and us having a similar style. I love watching this guy fight, and he's a go getter. Like he's a he's a he's a tough dude. I mean, going back and watching that fight against Tony Ferguson, you know, breaking his hand and his coaches uh, wanting to, you know, ended up stopping it. But the guy was a bloody mess, and he was just like ah in the middle of the octagon. You know, it's like what in the world. But I had no idea. He wasn't even on my radar. But it was one of those situations where I was trying to fight Robbie Lawler. Didn't happen. I was trying to fight RDA. He was coming off an ear surgery. Uh, wanted to fight, uh, I think it was Leon Edwards. He said his sciatica was acting up. Ponzinibbio said, I just don't want to fight you. And I'm like, what the heck, man? <laughs> and then you got this. So, so I've you know, been out for, for seven months. Yeah. Not having anything. I was actually going on vacation. I was headed to Denver, Colorado, going to do some snowboarding up there. Shh, don't don't tell Dane to that. <laughs> and and uh, I put I took my phone off of airplane mode. My phone was blowing up. I'm like, what in the world? And that's how I found out that Anthony Pettis called called you know called me out. And that's pretty cool too because it's you're still in a world where you can still fighters can make their own fights through social media. You know, mm. um, it just it's a fan fight. That's what it is. We're doing it for the fans. And Anthony Pettis, his goal is to fight the best guys in the world. Him being a striker, I'm being a striker. We want to test each, test our skills against each other. And, and we're going to put on a show come March 23rd. And so, I mean, I, I know you got your focus on the March 23rd fight, but you, you had just mentioned something about, uh, uh, obviously, how, how well you do against wrestlers. Obviously, and, and you mentioned Askren with him in the mix. Um, he, he got to fight Robbie Lawler. Does, uh, does, if, if, if some, something happens with a negotiation that ask, they want asking to fight someone else, um, in the future, like say maybe in July or, or the fall or whatever, would you, would you be up for an Askren fight? Man, any, anybody in that top five, or, or I don't think he's ranked right now, but it, I, it doesn't matter. I know that I'm going to face him at some point. I know that I'm going to face those guys in the top five at some point, and I am prepared. I, I am preparing myself for that. And he's one of those guys, man. He's a, he's like, he's like me. You know, I, I'm a striking specialist. He's a wrestling specialist, but man, he's he's like Olympic level. This guy, you know. So it's it's a it's a it's a scary fight for anybody in the 170 division, knowing that. Yeah. And you saw the punishment he took this past weekend and kept going. It's like what in the world? Out of the didn't even go the whole first round, and he looked like he was going. He went through a five-five in a round war, but yeah. that's how he fights. You know, he's a he's a gritter, and those those guys that are like that, it's it's uh, it messes with a lot of mentally. No, if you're gonna fight this guy, you better be ready for a hell of a mm-hmm. fight. A a a five-five in a round, just just war. You know what I'm saying, and that's how he likes to bring it. So I think that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. I would, love, I would, you know, we're gonna face each other at some point. I know yeah. that. I know he's shooting for Darren Till right now, uh, and I know Dana White's trying to get that um, rematch with him and Lawler. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. If if that goes to fruition and they have a rematch, and right now we're probably looking at Usman Covington. Um, if you put, I mean. Let's say you you put away Pettis. I, I can't imagine that leaves you too far out of the out of the loop. Then with, uh, I mean, obviously getting a third fight with Woodley would have been would have been tougher. It's yeah. just historically that's just a tough thing to to make happen uh, for any fighter in in any era really of fighting to get a third fight. Um, Usman winning kind of 
rejuvenates the division a little bit for you as far as getting back <laughs> to the top, I, I'd imagine. So I, I, oh, I would yeah. think I think uh, with a with a with a good performance against Pettis, you're essentially the alternate for that fight, at least in in from the outside looking in. I would think that that would have to be kind of how it is. I hope so. You know, I'm ranking number four right now, and it it would be. And I was shooting for Usman to win that fight, man. And of course, I, I like Usman. Usman's such a such a cool dude, and he's a class act. To be honest with you, I think he's I think he's a good fighter, um, just a high level wrestler. So, going back and watching that fight, man, he did exactly what he said he was going to do um, against Tyron. And Tyron, I don't know what was going through his head, but it didn't look like the same Tyron that I faced. Mm. Um, you know, not too long ago. So I don't know what was going on. I know he said he was in good shape. And sometimes when you go out there and fight, you got those days where, you know, you want to throw this punch or you want to throw this technique and it's just not happening. Your body's like saying, nah, it's not, it's, it's not going to work. So, you know, we have those kind of, we have those kind of fights and I think Tyron's going to come back from that, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm hoping so, you know, I go out there, put on a show for you, uh, for the fans and, um, let's say I go out there and, and knock knock Pettis out. Uh, maybe looking at one more fight. Hopefully, I'll be the alternate. You know, but uh, uh, you know I'm 36 years old and I got a small window to kind of do what I want to do, and I'm not giving yeah. up all that title until I get it, man. Yeah, um, I I have to ask you. Uh, I heard that you weren't doing uh, your regular training, like you weren't coming up north, right, to to work out with Weidman and those guys. You you're doing a different camp this time around. Yeah, the reason for that is is is, uh, is it uh, winter? <laughs> Say that again. What, is it because of winter? <laughs> Man, no, no. To be honest, <laughs> I've been out there so, many, and the winter's horrible. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. I've been out there so many times with Wyman, and it, there'd be like five feet on the ground. Waking up in the morning, having to uh, shovel his driveway off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he pushed me to work when I go up there. But no, he ended up having hurting his neck during. He hurt his neck, I think, last year or two years ago. He had mm-hmm. surgery on it. They had to go in and fuse a disc or something like that. They went in through the front of his neck. And when he took that shot from uh, Jacques Array, man, I was there sitting cage side for that. And that was such a devastating thing to see because Chris Weidman was beating him. He was winning, yeah. you know, and that goes to show that this game is, is brutal. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't care. Like you go out there and you're beating somebody up and it just takes one shot, you know. Yeah. And he ended up hurting it again, so they had to have surgery again. So um, I wasn't able to go up there because he's he's in healing mode. But um, you know, I always love going up there. But you know, he's family now. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's great to go up there, spend some time with him, and just the confidence that I get going up there and wrestling with that guy and sparring with that guy. Guy, one of the best wrestlers in the 185 division. He's got great striking and his cardio. He's got cardio for days, but. Um, I wasn't able to make it up. So we got good guys. I brought some guys in. My buddy Carl Reed, who fights at 205. He's the uh, uh, um, the college uh, coach at Limestone University. He's a wrestling coach there. Uh, but he's an up-and-coming fighter and a monster. Great wrestling. He's got, he moves like I do. He's a karate fighter, too. Mm-hmm. So I have had, I had him. I have my brother Evan from Dallas come in, who's a high-level striker as well. My buddy John Sweeney. So I've got the wrestling. I've got the jiu-jitsu. I've got the striking. So I kept my camp here this time i uh, saw that uh sorry ed uh, go ahead. i saw that you were opening up your own gym too uh with your parents uh, you just broke ground on something in, in the last couple weeks is that yeah, something that's so, been in the works oh yeah man that's that's been in the works for years my dad opened up his school in 1983 
the year I was born. And of course, there's five kids. You know, I've got two brothers and two sisters. And we all started the martial arts at the age of three. No oh, say nice. so. We were living in this household. It was mandatory that we were training. Mm-hmm. My sister, my older sister fought before I did. She kicked my she kicked my butt for years, bro. And um, so my dad opened up a school in 1983. And we had this, this little hole in the wall that he started out in. He was working three jobs and trying to run a martial arts school. My mom comes in and just turns that a little hole in the wall into what we got now. We have over 750 students in the small town of Cincinnati, South Carolina. We've got three generations of martial artists come through there. We got grandkids of grandparents wow. that's for my dad, you know? So we've been in the, in the, in our, our gym now for, uh, since 19, uh, 1986. And we've been busting, we got, we're in a little over 11,000 square foot. And we're, we've been busting out the seams of that for years. You know, we're almost like we're turning people away. So we're like, we can't be doing that. And uh, we're getting ready to open up a 20,000 square foot facility literally across the street. And nice. uh, so we're building our own spot, man. We're excited. We are excited. So we broke ground uh, this past Wednesday. That's awesome. cool. Congratulations. So, yeah, hey. congratulations. That's really great, especially with uh, with the, the, the base that you have. One of the things I wanted to ask you, obviously – um, you know, your performance and your ranking and everything, all the fights you've had, you're fighting in the UFC, but do you ever still find yourself having to defend karate to, to like people that are just coming in or don't, don't know any better? Cause obviously, you know, everyone thinks about the, the, the affliction MMA type of gym, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and then when you bring up, when you bring up like uh traditional karate styles, where, cause I, I'm an Ishinru guy, I did Ishinru karate for 11 years. So every time, and then when I moved over to uh jujitsu school, they're like, oh, what are you, uh, you doing karate chops and stuff? Like they make fun of you. Oh, you yes. know, do you, do you deal with that a lot? You know what? <clears throat> the guys who are uneducated, I think, yeah. uh, I have to, def- you know, I'll, I'll defend myself. Um, <clears throat> always with a smile on my face, though, you know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but the guys that that are experienced, we have a lot of guys that come to the gym. You know, Chris Weidman. We've, you know, we've had Rashad Evans, Nate Marquardt. Ryan Hall comes there for his striking as well. He's been he's been up there for several of his camps. Nice. Um, we got guys coming in left and right because because they're. I remember in the earlier UFCs, the, the like you said, karate was frowned upon. Mm-hmm. A lot of this, a lot of the techniques that they uh, that we did in karate, they say wouldn't work in a real situation. But I think a lot of that had to do with these guys who get in their black belts in like three months starting up a gym right across the street and then doing yeah. nothing you know what i'm saying it made the whole base of karate just look bad yeah but leo when leo Machida stepped out there and was the champion he was my inspiration to one of my one of my inspirations that hey you know this stuff works you know like a spin hook kick in the early ufc's nobody threw that yeah but people don't understand if you want to make it work you got to spend time on it. If you spend enough time on it, you can make it work. And now you got guys, it's just the game has evolved so much that, uh, you know, you got guys doing all kinds of crazy stuff and making it work, you know? <laughs> yeah. George St. Pierre, um, you know, making karate work. You got guys like, uh, you know, even Conor McGregor comes from my karate background. Gunnar Nelson, Justin mm-hmm. Scott, Michael Page Venom, who was yeah. a point fighter. You know, he was a, this is a guy that people said who could break an egg because he was a point fighter. He's knocking dudes out. Yeah, you know, Raymond Daniels is doing great in the, in the in the kickboxing. So, you know, when I start throwing guys out there like that, they're like, you know what? You're right. You're right. 
So guy, the things that you do in karate, uh, people are using in martial arts, things that are, that karate guys have been doing for hundreds of years. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a YouTube video out there. It's called karate for MMA. Check it out. If you can, it mm. shows traditional uh, guys doing kata, you know what I mean? You know what kata is, right? Yeah. And a lot of people look at kata and it's like, you're not going to do that in a real situation. But when you see the different moves in kata, all you're seeing, you're not seeing the, the real application. It's just the technique. Yeah. And then when you see the real application to it in a real situation, like, oh, so that's what that is, you know? When you're doing this weird move, you're actually doing a throw or a trip or something. Yeah, or, or some really nasty stuff like grabbing the testicles. And stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? That's, that's in one of my katas. And I remember when my instructor showed that to me, I was like, oh, my God, that's what that's for? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then and then you see things like in, in uh, when someone throws a front snap kick or a rear snap kick in, a, in an MMA fight, you know, you hear people talk about it like it's this unseen thing, but it's been around, like you said, for hundreds of years. Oh, so yeah. uh, I like, just like the front, like you have like a Muay Thai front kick, right? Which mm -hmm. is more like a push kick. Yeah. And then you have like a karate taekwondo front kick. Look at uh, what Leo Tomichita knocked out Randy Couture with or yeah. uh, Anderson Silva knocked out. Um, was it Vitor Belfort with karate front mm -hmm. kick? You know what I'm saying? And it does work. You put it in the right spot. Boom. Done. Considering kind of, you know, the, the, how karate was seen in the early MMA. For me, it was cool. My first fight I ever watched was Keith Hackney. So seeing oh, wow. White Tiger Kempo, uh, you know, I I just looked at him as a badass. Um, <laughs> you, so when the first UFC came out, you were about 10 years old or so, uh, give or take a little bit. Coming up from a traditional martial arts family, were you introduced to that early on? Or was that oh, something yes. your dad kept away from you? Okay. Oh, no, no. I was... You know, as a family, when most people back then, you know, in the 80s and early 90s who would go around and, you know, they would play, be playing board games or whatever, we watched fights. That's what we did as a family. We would sit around and didn't matter how gory it was, you know, we were there. We were in the thick of it. And I, my dad took, took me to my first UFC event. It was UFC 2. It was in Charlotte, North Carolina. That was three. When, that, that was Keith. Was that three? That was three. Yeah. UFC uh -huh. three. That was when um, Kimo got his ponytail pulled out pretty much with uh, <laughs> Gracie. And that was like, it was like the gladiators, you know, back in the day that we were watching. They didn't have any gloves. There were no rules. And I told my dad, then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this one day. I remember that. And when I got that first call with the UFC, I was actually going to turn it down. Because I felt like I wasn't ready because I, you know, I put my jujitsu and wrestling on the back burner because I was focused on kickboxing. That's what my dad did back in the 70s and 80s. That's what my sister did before me. So that's what I kind of grew up. Most of my fight career was in kickboxing. So I was, you know, going up to TriStar with George St. Pierre because he would bring me up to help with his training camp. So I was learning my, I was learning more jujitsu and wrestling to be a better sparring partner for him. Mm -hmm. And... I had my, and he was my inspiration, my true inspiration to switch from kickboxing to MMA. Had my first fight in 2010, 2012, UFC calls, and I was like, oh, I don't know, man. Dad, I remember dad, he was like, come here, man. We, we went to his office at the gym. He's coach. He's not my dad. He's, he's my coach. Yeah. He's like, listen, man, you told me at age 12 you were going to do this one day, and the UFC calls, you're going to turn it down? He's like, no. -uh. He's like, you go out there and just, just, just go with it, man. You know, this could be, they, they may never call again. Go out there and have some fun. You know what? I'm, you're right. So, been along for the ride ever since, bro. <laughs> when, um, was it frustrating for you coming up as a kickboxer? I, you know, uh, 
now now there's a lot of lot of divisions. We uh you know even Bellator Kickboxing Glory, uh Rise in in uh in Japan, uh K1 even has has made a, a comeback with smaller divisions. But for the most part, I imagine in your early 20s, it was basically K1 in the heavyweight division. Was that frustrating that there really wasn't an outlet for smaller fighters? I know you eventually worked into the uh to Chuck Norris's World Combat League, but uh was there ever a time where you were kind of Wondering if there was going to be a door that would open up, uh, seeing you know, because it was monsters in K one in the early two thousand. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? It was it was a little frustrating because I I I've done everything I could in the kickboxing arena, won everything, won the Walker World Championships, the OXA World Championships, the IKF uh, World Championships. I don't know how many times. So I pretty much did everything I could. And me being a smaller guy and watching these guys in K one, I love. I still love watching the K one highlights, man. I'll go back and watch those dudes all day. So it was, it was a little frustrating, to be honest with you. I'm like, what do I do next? And during that time, I, I had actually torn every ligament in my left leg. So I was out for three years. Wow. Tore the ACL, PCL. Every CL was, uh, was gone. <laughs> wow. And um, so it was, it was rough, man. It was rough, yeah. So the doctor told me I would probably never fight again. And uh, now I look at him now. I'm like, oh, yeah. see, I told you I was going to do it, you know? Yeah. Hey, well, and it happened. It actually happened at a good point because, you know, I've been fighting since I was 15. And it was at a point to where I didn't know if I wanted to compete anymore. Oh, wow. You know, I was fighting just about every weekend kickboxing and I was getting burnt out. But I didn't really I wasn't really sure how I was going to tell my dad, you know, because my dad's been with me since day one. Mm. and him being an old school fighter i just didn't have the heart to really tell him in it everything it was kind of a blessing to be honest with you it happened at the right time ended up tearing my mcl and or excuse me everything i've had four knee surgeries on my left knee and two on my right oh wow I was out for three years so i was like man being out kind of gave me that fire you know just kind of rekindled that fire to go out there and compete again so it was it was it was a blessing i think yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, I, I tore my groin uh, when I was 31, and uh, that was when I thought about quitting training and stuff. And and you know, if you if you if you if you pull through that stuff, then you can pull through anything. So oh, yeah. that's that's crazy how it, how an injury can actually motivate you. Um, one last question for me: You just talked about the 70s and 80s and growing up in, in martial arts and stuff. What's your go-to motivational martial arts film that gets you riled up? <laughs> Dude, okay. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it before. It is a, it's an oldie but a goodie. If you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out. And you'll probably it's it's a classic '80s film. And if you watch it now, you're like, this is corny, but I love it. Have you ever seen the movie The Best of the Best? Oh yeah, dude. That's Van Damme's first movie. <laughs> Pop it, Tommy. Pop it. <laughs> oh no. Dude, oh was, yeah. Was, that was my Eric jam, Roberts. Man. Yeah. I love yeah. that movie. It was like the Americans versus the Koreans or something like that. And, it, it was badass. Like, that was my – I used to watch that all the time. I was I was a big Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, like, you know, back in his movies. But yeah, yeah. watching his movie, all his movies are pretty much the same. Always that, like, tournament style, you know, fighting, like, Bloodsport or uh, was it Lionheart and you had the Quest and the Kickboxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched all of them, man. I love I, it. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge movie buff. I, uh, I, if a movie comes out, I'm watching – I'm going Friday to see the new uh, Captain Marvel, so – Oh, Count nice. Oh, yeah. So so let me uh, just really quick. I actually met Eric Roberts and talked to him. Did you know he actually holds a black belt in Taekwondo? No way. Uh, like, yeah. Like he's he was legit for that whole movie. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I met I had him. No idea. Three years ago, I met him. And he told me that in Atlantic City. That so. is cool. Now, where were you at? How'd you meet him? Was he at an event? It was uh, it was something. Uh, it was one of these weird like horror conventions. I don't know why he was there, but I actually went up to him and I told him I was like, you know, one of the most. I'm not for nothing. It's one of I have a long list of motivational <laughs> martial arts films, but that's definitely one of them for me. And um, you know, as I actually thought I was gonna grow up and fight and what and that same competition that I found out was was made up for that movie. <laughs> but wow, man! Uh, yeah, I he told no me he was a black belt in Taekwondo. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that he makes told the me movie that. even better now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking uh, of of martial arts and movie legends, uh, how cool was it to to fight for and I'm assuming meet and hang out a little bit with Chuck Norris? Man, Chuck Norris is you know he is the he I don't know if you guys know he's the number fifth most popular name in the world mm. in the world like he's the most popular guy in the world besides the U.S. president and some other guys but he's the top number five guy most popular guy in the world and the nicest guy you've ever met in your life. He's got a, a, a black belt under my brother-in-law, Carlos Manchado in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And he's been, and those guys have hung out for many years. And Carlos, my brother-in-law, trains with him quite frequently, uh, keep in touch with them. They're, they're, you know, family friends. So it was pretty cool to be able to fight for him. And it was, it was such a weird thing at the time because it wasn't in, even in a cage. It was in a bowl. It was like a, it was like a soup bowl that you fought in. Um, which was pretty crazy and it was kind of new at the time and exciting. So, you know, I had dinner with him a few times. It was almost like he was too, uh, almost too nice for his own good. Like just way too nice. Mm. It was, which was pretty cool. So I think he's in his eighties now, right? Is he in his eighties? He's got to be be up there. Yeah. Gotta be. This would be a sad day, bro. When he gets, he's a martial arts legend. I don't know if he ever did. I don't think he ever did any full contact kickboxing. I think he was more of a karate fighter, point fighter. But uh, I don't know. He's he's a legend, man. I used to love yeah. it. Walker Texas Ranger was my jam. I used to watch that every freaking week. I don't know if you remember that Walker Texas Ranger. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I love, love Ranger. I'm older than both of <laughs> you guys. Lone Wolf McQuaid is my fa- one of my favorite movies of his. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. man. I love oh. it. Freaking love it. But yeah, Chuck Norris is the man. I don't care what anybody says. So, I mean, I, that's it for me. I don't have anything left. Did we lose Matt? I think we lost him. He's stuck oh. with a grin on his face. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I guess I'll close it out. I really appreciate your time, Stephen. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, March twenty third, uh, ESPN Plus. Uh, the numbers. That's their sixth event. Um, you versus Anthony Pettis. Good luck to you, sir. Uh, thanks again for. Uh, for jumping in on this hey man anytime and would love to do it again hopefully after the fight we can get back on talk about it but i appreciate you having me on my friend definitely a pleasure and hope we can do it again sometime cool thank you yes sir tell matt i said what's up all <laughs> right <laughs> all right brother have a good one all right hey y'all east coast ed here If you'd like to support this podcast, you can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. This podcast will always be free, but if you help Matt and I out for future episodes, supporters will be shouted out on the show, and large supporters will be randomly selected to do predictions for a big pay-per-view event in the future. So please click the support tab and enjoy the show.